Skill Alexander, betting dork. It's Friday morning and Fridays. Probably my favorite day of the week. Not for the conventional reason that Friday's the end of the work week, but because I get to talk to the man going into the weekend, which is perfect. Vegas runner on the show every Friday. What's up, VR? How you doing? My man, my man. Never better, baby. Never better. It's uh, really warming up now here in Vegas. Pools are starting to fill up. So, uh... Summer is in the air, brother. It feels like the background that you're talking in is summery. I'm not sure what that means, but it just has that feel, like you're outdoors and it's getting hot. I am, I am. I'm actually in their gazebo in the backyard. Had my wife turn off the fountains because it was hearing all that water everywhere. But it is. It's just a beautiful day, brother. And the weekend is upon us. We got so much to tack as far as baseball basketball so uh ufc this weekend so it's another great weekend man it's been like that now for a little while we have some great things going on the weekend so uh, i'm pretty excited that is the one thing like after you know we love football of course football is king but in these other times of year people like the the menu that's offered to you is so vast you know so it's great to be yeah because with football you're right football knows it's going to have everyone's attention no matter what there's not much they have to do extra you know football is what it is but with the rest of the sports you're absolutely right you see like they try to entice us and they try to put so many things on that to keep sports you know enthusiasts involved and they put good fights on the weekend and you know some of these marquee games and tv games so uh, throughout the rest of the year i think it, it seems like they try harder to give us entertainment than they do during the football season well as a gambler i love it you know just yeah like, me too brother you get to pick and choose i have a uh, we're going to talk about baseball we're going to talk about basketball not only today's basketball games on friday but because saturday's games are staring us in the face too let's uh let's get your initial thoughts on those as well and let's talk ufc i do have a baseball question for you though vr this is uh, as a as a guy who loves betting baseball uh, I see a lot of talk, both from pros and from forum community members, about folks really monitoring baseball line movements. Now, I'm a guy who makes my baseball bets, typically speaking, the night before. And while I watch line movements in football and basketball very carefully, I'm curious to how rapidly and how focused you are in watching baseball line movement in general. Well, for me, it's more of like a force of habit without even thinking about it, kind of like breathing, you know. It's something that I've done for so long, for so many years. It's just, you know, it comes without even thinking. I just, I know where the line opened. I saw the kind of movement. So in my mind, I'm constantly trying to, you know, reason what the reaction was from the market, why it's moving a certain way. So for myself, line movement is very important. Um, and the good thing is I have a lot of experience in monitoring line moves, so I'm, I have a, a good feel for being able to determine possibly true steam on official position from these betting syndicates. Um, I'm pretty good at determining whether it's an adjustment made by the sports book as a way to try and balance the money. Um, so, uh, you know, I read pretty much into the line, and, and I like to take it pretty deep compared to a lot of other handicappers. Uh, what I will like to add is this. You've got to be very careful monitoring line moves when it comes to Major League Baseball because it's a money line sport which has dime lines available. 
and some places even better than that. And the reason I bring that up is because when, when the market is, is offering you those kind of odds, there's going to be a lot of manipulation by the betting syndicates. And what they're trying to do is earn and scalp and find that free money. So you got to be very careful um, how you, you know, what conclusion you come to with these line moves because what you're seeing a lot of times is half hour up as we approach game time, uh, the line moves totally in the opposite direction. And, you know, what you should come to the conclusion at that point is that this was simply uh, a position where they were looking to scalp or a buyback. You know, it wasn't steam. So you got to be very careful in Major League Baseball when it comes to line moves. I would trust the totals more than I would the sides. And I guess that's what I, w- I guess that's what I'm getting at. Maybe I didn't, and, and I probably didn't state it correctly the first way, is I know during, let's say, the NFL season, so we've got a whole week to look at how lines move during a game, and we know that, f- that the NFL specifically is so heavy in volume. Contrast that with a daily board of 15 Major League Baseball games or double-digit baseball games. And I guess for me, I... Sometimes I look at, and it's one thing to be Vegas runner who's on the Vegas Strip, and you've got those contacts, and you're monitoring closely, and you know people, and you can actually ask direct questions. Hmm, am I correct that this is what's happening in this line movement? But for the average square better who I see very often in baseball trying to interpret what a line movement is, that really is filled with pitfalls, isn't it? Just what you're saying. Absolutely. I mean, or what you're more or less doing is guessing. And, you know, you, you might guess correct or you might guess incorrectly, but the bottom line is it's still a guess. And when you're guessing, you're gambling. You know, it's not, your, your position isn't based on anything sound. And you got to be careful and chalk it up to luck more than your ability to handicap. And that's where you got to be very careful with these um, baseball line moves because you're seeing some significant movements and you're seeing favorites flip-flop throughout the day. And, you know, what I think handicappers make their biggest mistake is that deep down they've already identified the team they like and then they spend the rest of their day trying to justify that's true. That it's sort of, side. sort of like armchair quarterbacking line movement, like soaring, soaring, a self-fulfilling prophecy, if you will. Yeah, where, where, where with a pro, it, it's different. It's kind of you let the data, you let the information take you where it may, mm-hmm. where, you know, uh, most recreational bettors or non-professional, excuse me, tend to have the team they like or the total, and then they, they're, they're trying to justify it throughout the day. It's kind of like a handicapper who has his pick already figured out, a paid handicapper, is betting it because he, he likes it, and he, you know he might have a reason or two behind it, but it's just one of those games that you like. It's in your gut. And then what he has to do is go around and try to gather all kind of supporting information for his write-up. <laughs> that's right. And I think that's the biggest waste of time oh, for yeah. both the handicapper and the client because, I mean, more or less, the client's reading information that had nothing to do with the true reason he's betting that game. Mm-hmm. And all you're doing is filling up space because you're obligated to give a reason. And I see that time and time again. And, you know, it's not just the paid cappers. And that goes on to the regular bettors. They have their position. They know they like the fills over at Atlanta today. And then throughout the day, they try to figure out 
you know, supporting data behind it. And what that does is it simply makes you biased. And if you monitor my line moves, you can't be biased. You gotta allow it to take you where it does. And and the information is gonna lead you somewhere. The data is gonna lead you somewhere, and it's gonna lead you based on on your ability and, and the level of reasoning you're at. You know, and how good of a handicapper you are. But that's the difference between a pro and an amateur. A pro is going to let the information take them to the pick, while an amateur has the pick and then goes searching for the information. See, I think that is. I mean, to me, as again, as a as a baseball guy, I think that is a huge, huge point. And this is just from a casual observation of uh, pregame forum boards too. Is I, you know, line movement can often really color you know judgment on that stuff and just you know it's one thing to hear it from me but i, I it, you know so what if i say it but if you're saying it i think that that really drives it home where it's like yeah bet conviction first especially in a sport like baseball where you don't really know i mean you have less of an idea where that line is going if you're the average better on a daily basis than in other sports because you're just you, like you said you're guessing actually crunch the game you know, like look at the actual ballgame rather than relying on market um, factors to, as you say, just completely try to influence what your initial lean is. Don't don't even worry about it at first is what I would say. Actually do some capping of the actual baseball game. Yeah, exactly. And then, you know, look at the line movement and see if it possibly supports your position as well. Like maybe do the wise guys seem to like this game or, or does the book seem to be afraid or not afraid of the public action coming in and approach it that way but simply monitoring line moves and saying okay um, San Diego opened minus 120 they're now minus 130 okay they got steamed that's the sharp side I, I mean that's as, as, as basic as, as you know a conclusion as you could get right. and you know you're not going to make money thinking like that maybe Fifteen years ago, you could have, because we were the only ones moving lines, and uh, there was very little need for manipulation, because back then, books didn't move the lines on air. The reason books moved the line was because they got bet into. They didn't have the, the, the comforts and of the Internet where they could just look at their screen and say, oh, Greek moved to 130, let's move to 130. No. You're at 120, and you're not going to go to 130 till a sharp better walks in and blasts you at minus 120. <laughs> and I think that this nowadays it's different. And what happening is, you know, the Greek may have a wise guy that bet into him, and now every other book's going to move it because they see a sharp book like the Greek moved it. You know, and all of a sudden you're, you're thinking it's significant. It's it's a huge steam move. It's moving all across the board. When when it, nothing could be further from the truth. And that wise guy that stepped up and bet them, you know, most of these guys are also books. He could have just been simply laying off public action. I mean, there's so much that it takes place nowadays. You have to be very careful if you think you're going to beat the market by being able to identify steam and wise guy positions. If you can do that, you won't make a living just like they do if you are able to wager you know accordingly and have discipline then yeah if you could pick off the steam moves you'll come out ahead these books don't move these lines by accident they move them because they know that these guys beat them in the long run and that showed 
why they show them respect. But if you're just guessing and, and assuming, you're really not going to make money picking off line moves, man, because so much is going on in today's market um, that it's just very difficult to be able to pinpoint the exact position and know exactly how significant it is compared to other positions. And, and I would say this, and thankfully, we have your Twitter feed to sort of let us rely on you for that kind of actually inside information. You do a great job of telling us where steam is and why something's moving in a certain direction and, and why it might or might not be. Thank you, and that, that's what I try to do, honestly, Gil. Um, not try to, to form your opinion for you. Just simply, uh, I like people to be able to trust that the, the, the information is accurate. After that, do with it what you please. But just know, if I'm going to Twitter it, then I know for a fact. I'm not basing this on my guess. It's not an assumption. I'm telling you for a fact. The outfit steamed the brewers. It is what it is. Take it for what you want. Do with it what you want. But it's accurate information, and that's what I try to do with the Twitter feed. So thank you. No, you're very welcome. And, and is it Vegas Runner one word or is it Vegas underscore Runner? What is no, it? No, just Vegas Runner one word, brother. Twitter.com slash Vegas Runner. There it is. Okay, because I really honestly like it's the one source. If you want to know what's you know what steam, what's not line movements, just phenomenal. So props to you on that though and and i won't belabor this anymore the reason that i brought up this conversation is there was a game earlier this week between the nationals and the braves that really sparked me on line movement because i immediately in my write-up the night before i was like i cannot believe levon hernandez and the nationals are so cheap here i'm grabbing the nationals and then the next day i saw a myriad of posts uh on the forums talking about oh i don't know that line movement's going towards atlanta and i just sort of sat back and i was just like now of course it now it did work out my way not to say that it couldn't have worked out in atlanta's favorite uh, in atlanta's favor rather but it was just interesting to me that people put so much stock in that line movement that I was like, you know, this is something we should talk about with VR on Friday. So No, you're, you're like, and what people don't realize is this. The wise guys are getting down on a number that is offering value at the time. Yeah. After they steam a bet, there may not be any more value left in that game. So if you're getting the information late or if you're relying on waiting to see what they do and then piggybacking it, a lot of times you're getting the worst of it. Even more importantly, when you're not dealing with money line sports and you're dealing with point spread sports, I mean, you see these guys moving lines one and a half, two points. What most bettors don't realize is your edge is so small. Even the very best sports bettors' edge is so small in relation to, you know, the, the sports books. Vig. I mean, you know, you're not going to win 90% of your bets, so your edge is very small. And, and what happens is if you're going to bet a game after it's already moved a point and a half or two, that value might be totally gone. Even worse, at this line, the value may be on the totally opposite side. So, I mean, you really have to be careful if you're piggybacking and, and just trying to determine line moves and, and make your living that way. Well said. Let's, since, we're, since we're talking baseball, let's start, I guess, with today's baseball board. Anything uh, leap off the page for you today? Yeah, the one thing I've noticed is uh, not as many minus 200s. 
anymore. Yeah. <laughs> you know, after we saw a couple of those go down and the wise guys take advantage, uh, the books realized maybe it isn't, you know, our smartest move to make these favorites so high because, I mean, they were simply doing it because people were tying it up with NBA, putting the Yankees with NBA, you know, every day. Um, and they were making these lines high. All of a sudden, Wise guys come in, hit a Baltimore game like last night, which opened 250, closed at 210. Yeah. And now the books are reconsidering, you know, how they're going to approach this while the NBA playoffs are going on. So that was the first thing that stuck out to me, number one, that we're looking at a lot of lines that are around that 120 range. And to me, that's what I love. Yeah. Because it, it's a fair fight. You know what I mean? And all I have to do now is just try to determine the true probability of team A beating team B. And as long as it's around that minus 115, 120 range, I believe you're really going to find value. Um, so today, that, that's what I got excited as soon as I saw these smaller favorites. It's a great and point. I also like the fact it makes it tougher on the betting public. And because of that, I'm able to get a good read off the market. Because, I mean, when you have, you know, a couple three, four, five, minus 200s on the board. You don't even have to try to, to ask or find out where the money is. You know where the money is. It's on those four or five favorites. You know, somewhere along the day, throughout the day, people have been tying up those four favorites in parlays with other stuff, and the whole day is going to deter be determined by those four teams. But on a day like today, it's so different. And the, the the money's so spread out, I think betters have an advantage, especially sharper betters. So that's really what stuck out to me as far as today's, you know, board. And the fact that, you know, we're seeing some of these favorites at home not be so overpriced. And I think that that's how it should be because baseball is one of those sports where home teams don't win at the rate they do in other sports. I mean, I believe in the NFL, it's somewhere around 57 58%. In NHL, it might be 60 62% of home teams win. In baseball, if I'm not mistaken, I think that's under 55%, the average for a home team winning. So, you know, it, I, I think the, the, the problem with, with baseball is enough people don't understand that, and they don't really get what money lines mean and how to determine probability and value. But I think on a day like today, this board offers so much opportunity for betters that do approach it that way. It's an interesting point. There are only two games today, interesting uh, context you put in, only two games today do have favorites of over uh, minus 200. That's Carpenter with the Cardinals going to Pittsburgh and... I get why that spread is what it is, or that why that line is what it is. And then Francisco Liriano of the Twins uh, hosting the Orioles, and the I'll tell you a very formidable pitcher in, in Kevin Millwood. Um, so that's interesting. Of the of all those games, let's let, let me put it this way: Can I get one or two from you that raise an eyebrow, or you're cautious about, or you just have an interesting take on on the board? Maybe just one or two of those. Yeah, the, the, the one game that, that scared me, to, to tell you the truth, was how Arizona being a home dog hmm. um, to Milwaukee. Interesting. Um, and Gallardo. That, that to me, was, was a bit surprising. Um, you know, you're looking at a team that's 12-16 and 16 in Milwaukee, you know, going in as a favorite 
against a team who is seven and five at home and actually has a better overall record than them. And more importantly, it's a team that's playing pretty good. You know, they've won three of their last four. Yeah, they've been on a, a very long road trip, but so has Milwaukee. And the way Milwaukee lost yesterday with a grand slam in the ninth, oh. you know, that was a bit surprising <laughs> to me. And that's one of those games that I'm going to have to dig in a little deeper and see why would the um, odds makers decide to make Milwaukee this you know, I think big of a favorite as a road favorite going in. And if it's justified, um, things like that kind of raise alarms to me, you know, uh, because the public likes to think that the, the recreational bettors like to think they're out there shopping for value too. And they see some of these small home dogs, a plus 105 that they think's a good position and they think it's value. It's plus, but you got to be careful when, when they make a favorite, the favorite that doesn't really it's not justified by looking at just basic stats let's put it that way uh, another game sticking out to me all of a sudden Washington Nationals mm-hmm. uh, starting to get respect at least a little bit of respect compared to what we've we've seen from them in the past I mean how many times have you seen Washington you know be a favorite this early in the season as much as they have been pretty much I mean, just never. look at their their last few games, sure, when they're on the road against the Cubs against Florida, they're going to be big favorites. Mm-hmm. But uh, against Atlanta, you know, two of those three games, it was right around a pick on plus 105, plus 110 either way. So uh, it seems like the market's catching up, and they're 15 and 13. They got a winning record. So here's a team that looks like the odds makers are starting to adjust on, and I think you got to be careful. I know a lot of betters were taking Washington, cashing some tickets with them, but I think the value's now gone on that team. When you start to see them come out as the favorite, you know, it, it seems like that the market's caught up with them. Uh, as far as the rest of the board, man, there's a lot of good games. Any game you want to talk about, I'm down. No, I mean those are the. That's good. I mean, we'll move on to basketball next. But I think those are two interesting things that you brought up because I too used about the Nationals. Just take that one first. Earlier this week in my thread, I actually did say the Nationals are still being undervalued. This was sort of six days ago, but I think you're yeah. right. Now the lines makers have sort of caught up, and you're right. I, it, they're just not quite as enticing as they once were. Yeah, I, I, I mean, it is what it is. Once they cash a bunch of tickets like that, I mean, you got to remember, they cashed that plus 190 against Florida, plus 190 against the Cubs in back-to-back games. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, after a while, you know, a, a, a couple wins like that and the sports books are going to be forced to adjust because even though you might be thinking oh wow the public got killed on those minus 190s that's not necessarily true there's not enough public money right now in baseball i believe to offset the wise guy money because the books i'm speaking to are telling me volume may be up in baseball but it's tied with parlays mostly, you know, tied into NBA and stuff like that. As far as straight bets, the volume isn't that high up. And if anything, it's coming mostly from the wise guys. And believe me, they love taking those plus 180s, plus 190s, and they'll do it blindly in a series if they just assume this team isn't going to get swept, knowing that they'll turn a profit for the series. I mean, I remember back in the day, 
you know, having to do things like that. So I think that's why the market has caught up a little bit with the Nationals. That's a team you got to be careful, at least for a week or so, see what happens. And again, your point about a lot of these baseball bets are just, a lot of this line movement is just parlays, cross-sport parlays with the NBA playoffs. That's such a huge point that a lot, none, a lot of this is not single-game betting. It's just as long as the NBA's got their playoffs going on, that's what these big favorites are being used for in baseball and, and baseball games in general. You're so right, and the wise guys were taking advantage by taking some of those dogs, and they cashed them tickets, and believe it or not, the sports books got hurt, because here they are paying the wise guys off at plus 190, and even though the public lost their parlays, the way they've been beating them up in NBA, they're nailing their straight bets there, too. I'll tell you what, right now, I would not want to be a bookmaker. I mean, they're really getting their teeth kicked in from all sides from what I'm hearing. Wow. Before we leave baseball, too, I, I would be remiss if I didn't mention I am on the Brewers today. It's funny you brought that game up. We had not talked about that before the show, but I am I am all about the Brewers today. In that game. I just got a back. text about four minutes ago. I swear to you, I wish I could put this up on the web that says, gonna steam Brewers 30 minutes. There it is. So, and I'm not, I don't know what time it is, 8.30 now, this came a couple minutes ago, by 9 a.m., 12 p.m. Eastern time, that Brewers line will not be minus 120, 125 no more. So I think that is a game with value there, brother. They, didn't, they, they brought it out minus 25, minus, not by accident. You know, there was a reason behind it. Mm-hmm. I jumped, as soon as I saw that last night, I was like, yeah, I'm jumping all over Yeah, because that. if you look at the basic stats, it don't add up. I mean, at all. It, Right? You, you got a team with a better record at home coming back off a, off a pretty good road trip. You know, they've won three of their last four. Overall, I think they had, you know, a break-even road trip, which is good in baseball. You know, and then you have yeah, Jackson, who, who's who been pitching terribly. I understand that. Terribly. But, yeah, but still, you know, you got a team at home, and now they're going to be catching 115 plus 120 maybe if they steam it like my guy says they're going to. So I like that Milwaukee side. I think I'm going to take a look at it too, Gil. All right, there you go. All right, let's move on to basketball. I like I like ending baseball in a nice little with a nice little ribbon like that. Basketball, we got two today, and we got two tomorrow, and I think it's fair game that we can talk about actually all four tonight. Um, it is game three of a couple series. You got game three of the Cleveland-Boston series, which is knotted up at one after Boston just destroyed Cleveland in game two. And then Phoenix and San Antonio with San Antonio down 0-2 at home. The lines right now as I look at them, let's see, I'll take what I got here. Phoenix, uh, so hold on, start with Boston and Cleveland. That's a just a straight-up pick em. In Boston tonight, the uh, totals at 193, and then Phoenix and San Antonio. San Antonio six and a half point favorites with a total at 205 and a half. Your thoughts, sir? I'll tell you what, man. Right now, the books have been getting drilled. In the first round, was bad enough with all those favorites getting the money. I mean, we talked about it before. They were doing good with the totals, the odds makers. But as far as the sides, they've done a terrible job horrific lately uh favorites have just been getting the money night in and night out even worse it's been going favorite and over <clears throat> and that's the worst possible outcome for the sports book when you look at the round two of the nba playoffs so far except for that first game between boston and cleveland where 
Uh, and the books were around 50-50, a little heavier on Boston, and Cleveland covered. Other than that game, the public has beaten the books on every other second-round game, every single one. Wow. And, yeah, that's seven in a row that the public has won. And I believe six of them, they also hit the total. I don't think I so, realized I mean, they've, that. They've wow. just been destroying these books, and obviously the books are waiting for the odds makers to adjust, and it just don't look like they're able to, you know? I mean, and they're trying, but it, whatever they're doing is not working. Uh, starting with that Phoenix-San Antonio game, you got a team that's down 2 nothing in the NBA playoffs, and this is the quarters, the, the second round, when a team is up, you know, two games to nil, you're not supposed to win that game three. In fact, they only win 36% of game threes on the road when you're up to nothing. So, obviously, the uh, San Antonio is supposed to win this game outright, and that's why we're looking at, at a high number like we are. When you look at the series, this one's all but over. When the, the home team takes a 2 nothing lead in the second round of the NBA playoffs, they have gone on to win the series 84 out of 87 times. Whoa, say that again. Yeah, if a home team takes a 2-0 lead in the NBA playoffs in this round, the second round, 87 times that's happened, 84 times they've gone on to win the series. Wow. So this does not bode well for San Antonio to advance. Because I'm hearing a lot of people that are saying, oh, you know, the Spurs could come back, and if they tie it up at home, they could make a series, and they're saying there's value on them for the series. There's no value on them for the series, brother. They're not coming back to win this. Hopefully they come back and cover a couple games for the books, because public's been riding the Suns, but they're not going to win this series. And I was a little shocked that they brought him out to be honest with you as high as they did for this game but it goes back to it's do or die your back's against the wall and obviously the sports books are going to force you to pay a premium to back that team and what i'm seeing is they're also taking the teaser into consideration you know now you're taking it down to minus one and a half if it goes to seven you could take it down to minus two that's a full possession every little edge they try to get mm -hmm. um looking at the cleveland boston game i'm a little surprised the line came out this short i thought boston would be a little bigger favorite to be honest with you especially since they were able to tie it up i mean they like you said they put a whip in yeah Crushed on it. cleveland in game two you know and when you look at that number, Cleveland was only a six-point favorite. Game one, they were a seven-point favorite. So according to Vegas, that's where they think the true number should be, okay? You take off points for home court, and I think Cleveland has probably the or one of the best home courts in all of basketball. They're 39-7. They win 75% of their home games. So they have a pretty strong home court. He'd probably give them the max, maybe five points. So on a neutral field, I don't think Cleveland's maybe two points better than Boston. Now all of a sudden they're playing in Boston. You know, Boston's 27-17 and 17 there. I mean, that, that's, that's pretty good. You know, they win over six out of every ten games, and here they are in more or less a pick em situation. I thought the true line would be closer to Boston minus two, minus two and a half, but it looks to me that the odds makers sent out a fair line, 
And what that means is they're trying to split the action. When they send out a true line, they're trying to split, split the results. And a true line, what that's going to do is reflect the actual strengths of both teams. In this case, it appears to me they've gotten such an ass-kicking that they want to try to split the money now instead of splitting the results because the results are not being split. I mean, <laughs> the, the favorites are covering. They're winning and covering. You know what I mean? So obviously they're, they're going to abandon that plan, and now what they're going to try to do is split the action better. And that's what we're seeing here because if Boston would have came out a two, two-and-a-half-point favorite, the public would have jumped all over Cleveland. More importantly, they would have been uh, there would have been a huge liability on the books on teasers. You would have been able to get Cleveland up at seven, seven and a half. You know, so I think that's why we're looking at this line. And to be honest with you, you know, I haven't taken my official position, but it looks to me I like the Celtics in this one. I don't, I don't see why. As far as if you look, if you're a better that looks at line value, then. And there's no doubt Boston's the right side. I mean, I was shocked that the Lions odds makers brought out Cleveland as a one-point favorite. That tells you just how much they anticipate public money on the Cavaliers. That is you know, and, and weren't afraid of the Sharps getting the best of it. But the Sharps got took it right away. Even though they knew the public's going to bet Cleveland, this is where you could, oh, I'm going to pass around a nice little nugget. You get it. You, you're a good QB, brother. You get it out of me. Yeah. When the wise guys know that the general public's going to bet a certain side, and that side's going to be Cleveland, let's tell it like it is, it's, they're not expected to go down 2-1 in this series. You know, they came out as a big favorite for the series. Right. So they're not expected to go down 2-1, or that, that'll be a lot of trouble for them. I'll tell you that. If they go down 2-1, to one, it's not going to look good. And when you look at the history of that, uh, a visiting team, which is the Boston Celtics, if they go up two to one, historically they've won over sixty-three percent of the series. So this is a game that Cleveland more or less needs if they're going to win this series. So the betting public's going in back in Cleveland. That's I think a given. Now the wise guys could sit back with their feet up and say, "Good, since the sports books are getting their asses kicked, they're going to be forced to adjust for public money." And right now, they fear that public money more than they do the wise guy money. So let's sit back and let them move Cleveland up to minus one and a half, maybe up to minus two, getting us a better number on Boston. But that didn't happen. Instead, we saw a race to the betting windows as if I don't want to be left out of the party. And since Group A's steam in Boston, I better join the party as well or I'm going to be left out. And what you saw was every outfit climbing over each other to jump on Boston at plus one. And when the books adjust to pick them, they went ahead and took Boston at pick them. And that's why we're looking at one. So you could pretty much conclude that this is as strong of a position as they're going to take. Because they could have sat back and got an even better number. But they think there's so much value that better, better than be left out, they're willing to not sit back and get an even better number. So that tells you they really like Boston. Now what you need to do, though, is monitor this line movement. Because if a half hour before game time, you know, if this line gets steamed up a little more and Boston goes to one and a half, you know, or even two, then you might see the outfits 
decide to come in on Cleveland. And now what they'll have is both teams as a dog. They'll have Boston plus one, and they'll have Cleveland plus one and a half or two. Now you say how many games will end at one. But still, if it does, they cash out at, at very little risk. So I think as far as the Boston-Cleveland game, that's the more interesting one to me. That's one where I think we could be definitely sure that uh, the sharp money loves Boston right now. That is fabulously interesting. All right, two follow-up questions on that. First, with Cleveland and Boston, uh, just to reiterate that stat you gave. So you're saying that teams that do not have the home court advantage, if they go up 2-1 in a series, they end up winning the series 63% plus of the time. Exactly. In this round, when the visiting team has that lead, I see. that 2-1 lead. And even crazier, if they get that 2-1 lead, over 60% of the times, they leave, they'll leave you know, um, Cleveland... I mean, Boston, they'll go back to Cleveland up 3-1. If they win game three, those teams usually come right back and actually win game four. Um, so this is as big of a game for Cleveland, I think, as you're going to get. Because if this team goes down 2-1, they're in a lot of trouble, brother. And was that 84 for 87 stat that you gave earlier for teams that are up 2 nothing? Was that also for yeah. this round? Yeah, home teams that are up 2 nothing, like Phoenix is, mm-hmm. uh, have won 84 of the 87 series um, in this round. In this round, so, okay. That's yeah. what I wanted to make sure, okay. So it looks good for Orlando, it looks good for the Lakers, and it looks good for Phoenix. All three of those teams should advance according to historical data. And, I mean, you know, that's a pretty big sample size when you're seeing 87 oh, yeah. series. You know, that, 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 that covers a, a long time. And what I did was I went a little further and said, okay, what if it's not in this round? You know, what if it was in the next round, in the semis? Well, those teams are 100%. They've never lost the team up to nothing uh, uh, in the semis. Wow. I mean, uh, I'm sorry, the road team. What if the road team? When the home team's up to nothing, once again, they're 46-3, and three, 94%. In this particular so, round, yeah. Yeah, up to nothing. So this round and the next round, if a team gets up to nothing, you know, 90-plus percent of the time, in this round's 97%, in the next round, I believe it's around 95% of the time, they will win the series. All right, so I keep thinking of the basketball follow-up questions, but then what you're saying then is based on that stat alone, right now you can still get Phoenix to win that series at minus 320, and what you're saying is there's still a lot of value in that number then. Killer value, incredible value. And in fact, right now that's I have a, a list right here with notes, and that's one of the to-dos, to look at series prices on these teams that are up to nothing and see if I could put down some money. To me, I know people say that's crazy. You're going to put up 500 600 to win 100 Dude, I'll do that with a smile on my face. If I know I'm going to drive back down here in about four or five days and collect my money, I have no problems doing it. And when you have that big of a sample size, and I'm not talking, like we said, not just this round, so it's not like, okay, we're, we're, we're making the criteria so, you know, detailed. Right. I'm talking this round, which is the quarterfinals, the semifinals, even the preliminaries. When a team goes up 2 nothing, they are 32-2 and two in the series. So wow. more times than not, when this home team's up 2 nothing, you could put the kids to bed 
and uh, I'll be looking to get down on some of these teams for myself for sure. People, people are going to think that you and I like like uh, did prep show uh, prep work on this show about the uh, Phoenix series thing and that Milwaukee Brewers baseball uh, talk we just had, but we never did talk about this beforehand. We're just sort no, of, no. Uh, I, what I told do you, quarterback baby, and let's just put on a good game. Yeah. Oh, and so let me ask you the one last question then about tonight, since I have it on the top of my head. There are a lot of people when they bet the NBA playoffs bet zigzag theory are you familiar with the zigzag theory uh yes i am sir yes i am that that's been around since i started betting so today the spurs are a this would be a vintage zigzag theory game on the spurs so let me my question to you would be this in other words the zigzag theory for those who don't know is it's just a very basic theory it's just a sort of psychological one the theory being that if team a beats team b um they cover the spread in the next game, especially when they change venue here for Game 3. Team B simply is going to be more motivated, and zigzag theory dictates that they're going to cover the spread in reverse now on Team A. So in this case, the zigzag theory would say that the Spurs are the play tonight. And my question to you would be, is that 6.5-point spread, is zigzag theory embedded in that line by lines makers? Absolutely. Absolutely. Believe it or not, as much as I think, you know, the public saw the Spurs, you know, get beaten twice, I still think that they're going to take the approach of they got their backs against the wall, they're down to nothing, they're home, and they have to win. And because of that, you're going to be forced to pay a, a premium. And you're absolutely right. The zigzag factor is definitely factored into this number um i don't think it should be this high to be honest with you you know when phoenix went to san antonio back at the end of february the last day of february actually they were only a four-point dog you know so all of a sudden now you're looking as high as sevens i've seen out there so i agree i think the zigzag you're paying for it that don't mean they're not going to cover it right. just means that going in, you have to know you're not getting the best of the number. See, there's two ways to beat the books. A, get the best of the number, and if you're able to get line value in the long run, you're going to turn a profit. That's just, you know, that's a mathematical certainty. If I get the best of the number every day, every time out, I'm going to make money in the long run. Another way to beat the books is to find situations where maybe the line value may not be there, but this is just one of those situations where team is supposed to do a certain thing. And situational handicappers are going to fall in love with the Spurs tonight because this falls under a great situation. Mm-hmm. You know, they're 0-2, you have the zigzag, you have their backs against the wall, and they're home. So, you know, I think you're paying a premium. Don't mean they're not going to cover, but you're not getting much line value on the Spurs tonight, that's for sure. By the way, intrinsic in what you just said there, too, you made another great point, which you made before, but I think I want to make it one more time, which is, the, you know, no one, no, no handicapper, no human being can tell you with 100% certainty who's going to cover in any specific game. But when you get ahead of the lines in terms of value when you get the best value out of the lines if you're getting the best number as a favorite if you're getting the best number as a dog that um over time your ability to do so over time defines you 
as the sharp better, more, uh, just as much, if not more, than the actual results on the end. Am I correct in saying that? I agree 100%. In fact, during the whole football season, uh, we started a thread with RJ where, you know, line movement predictions for upcoming weekend. And what we were trying to do was for me to, to try to predict what the line's going to move between Wednesday and Saturday and Sunday when all the action comes in. And our thought was, if you could get the best number on six of ten of your bets, if, you could, if we could be accurate on our line prediction 60% of the times, then that means on six out of ten bets, you're going to get the best number. And that alone is going to increase your win percentage. We were able to get about 80-plus percent accuracy um, on football. You know, I've followed line movements forever, so a lot of them, uh, it was just instinct. But to make a long story short, following that blog allowed you to get the best of the number for that particular game on eight, at, eight out of ten times. I mean, that alone is going to increase your winning percentage. But being able to get the best of a number before a book adjusts it, meaning I lay minus one and the game goes off at minus three, if you're able to do that in the long run, you're guaranteed to turn a profit. I mean, you know, if you're able to get a few points of an edge, you know, that pretty much eliminates the VIG, they say mathematically. Yeah. So, you know, long term, you're going to make some money being able to, you know, foresee what the line's going to do. And, and you said it right there. You'll appreciate this. Long term. Because for those who would, you know, knee-jerk reaction, if you don't do it one week or if you don't do it another week, we're talking long term. It doesn't happen every every single, you know, uh, sample of 10 games or something like that. We're and, and that's what people do wrong, you know, They yeah. give up on winning, you know, systems, on winning approaches, because it's not 100%. You know, they, they, they work hard, they find something that works for them, you know, they win 8 out of 10 bets, they're happy, then the next 10 bets they go 5 and 5, and all of a sudden they abandon it, like, okay, this don't work anymore. Yeah. You know, when nothing could be further from the truth, you may have came on to something incredible, but it's not going to work for you 100% of the time. In fact, if you could fine-tune it to hit 58% of the time, you've, you've you know, latched on to an incredible system. And yet people abandon things when, when they don't get, you know, 100% results. And in this market, in any market, it's just not going to happen. Any preliminary thoughts, VR, on Saturday basketball? Magic and Hawks game three with the Magic uh, entering as a two-point favorite in a series that they're just... Well, I mean, if you take it back to the regular season, they've won five out of six now against the Hawks and, and somehow even managed to cover in game two on Thursday. And then the Lakers uh, going into Utah. Utah, a four-and-a-half-point favorite um, at home in game three, down 2 nothing to the Lakers. Any, any thoughts on those? How they covered that number last night is beyond me, man. Uh, I mean, having an eight-point lead like Atlanta did at the half, that don't guarantee you anything in basketball. I understand that. But when you're catching ten points and you got an eight-point lead at the half after getting blown out, your focus shouldn't be a problem. You know what I mean? You should be able to go out there ready to, to, to at least protect your lead. And if anything, be in a position to win the game with under two minutes left. And somehow this team found themselves losing by 10 at that point. You know, they lose by 14, whatever it was. I'll make a long story short, that's the worst 
thing that could happen for a team. I mean, you know, if anything, if you had any confidence going into the half of finally saying, you know, hey, we could hang with this team, we could beat this team even, especially since they manhandled you throughout the whole season, then I think any and all, you know, confidence is gone um, for Atlanta. Um, and I, I would be afraid, to be honest with you right now, to back them in Game 3 unless, I mean, I hear some very good stuff coming out of, you know, their locker room. Yeah. And, I mean, I have to hear that this team really believes they could win this game because, I mean, they've just shown me absolutely nothing. And uh, when you look at this round... You know, this is a game they're supposed to win. We don't have a big sample size, but uh, a home team should be able to win this game. And to be getting points on top of it, mm-hmm. I mean, that's a slap in the face, brother. Yeah. I mean, you look at everywhere else. I mean, Boston went to favorite. San Antonio is a favorite. Utah's a favorite. And Atlanta's not a team that shouldn't be here. Atlanta's a team that's five years in the making. If anything, this was the year that they're supposed to be able to get over that hump and possibly, you know, get to the Eastern Conference Finals. So this isn't a team that's here by accident, you know. But for some reason, they're getting very disrespected at home. The line values on Atlanta, any way you look at it, fetching, getting these points in Game 3, I mean, that to me is value. But like I said, unless I hear the right things, I still can't back them. On the flip side, Lakers-Utah, I like the Jazz in this game. Um, I was actually surprised they didn't cover game two against the Lakers, but I think at home, um, this is a team that will be able to make this a series. I mean, you know, Jazz played well. Uh, When you looked at their first-round series against Oklahoma City, I mean, I was really impressed. I mean, not Oklahoma City. The Lakers were against Oklahoma City. I mean, against Denver. The way they were able to finish off Denver, um, I was very impressed. Uh, Then against the Lakers, the way they played that game one when they only lost by five, I wanted to see more out of them in game two, kind of like Oklahoma City did to the Lakers in that game two. After they played so tough in game one, they had only lost game two by three points. That didn't happen um, for Utah. But I think when they go home, uh, I think this team shows up. And as long as this line stays below five, uh, I like the Utah side right now. Uh, my reactions to both of those, yeah, and the, and the Hawks and the Magic, I just think you're so right about the Hawks' mental state of mind. Like, they just, A, they don't have an answer for Dwight Howard and never do. It's just a bad matchup for them. But they yeah. just don't look like they have any mental toughness at all. Um, and then with the Jazz and the Lakers, I tend to agree with you, too. And I, I'll tell you what, to me... Even if the Lakers get out of this series, I think the fact that they're grinding against the Thunder and they're going to grind against the Jazz, I really think that hurts them later in this playoffs. Like I think they are just they are being taxed so heavily by the. I, I said the exact same thing in the podcast um, that I did with Marco. That how much is going to give to get to the finals if they get there? You know how much are they going to have left, especially? Since coming into the playoffs, they weren't the healthiest of teams. Mm-hmm. Bynum's always had his health issues. Kobe had some health issues coming down the stretch. And you're absolutely right. They're being forced to exert a lot of effort 
to advance and win these games. And what I'm being more impressed by the West is how physical they're playing. I mean, they're not playing that West style of basketball in these playoffs so far. I mean, we're seeing some very physical style of basketball, and that will take a toll. I agree with you 100%. All right, so I could I could stay with you here all day and talk to you about all kinds of other things, but I know I'm going to let you go here so that you can actually live your life today. But <laughs> but before you go VR, I definitely want to hear your thoughts on UFC this weekend. Do you have any any insight yeah, to share? Yeah, I'll tell you what I love the UFC and the first fight between Leota Machida, Machida, excuse me, and Shogun. I loved Shogun. I thought there was so much value there, and I really thought he won that fight. But in the end, Leoto got the decision. And as much as I'd like to back Shogun in this second fight, I can't do it. And I really think this time around, Machida's going to bring his A game. And if anything, that was a wake-up call that he needed. Because until then, he never got tested. I mean, he was the least hit UFC fighter of all time. Something like that had the highest connect percentage and, you know, never went down. Was never even touched with that style of his. So, I mean, it was becoming too easy for him. And if anything, I think Shogun woke him up. And what I was impressed was Shogun should have been able to win that fight. He really should have. And yet Machida, who was shocked, I believe, still managed, you know, to change game plan and hang in there and get that decision. And I think that bodes well for the second time around. And usually in a rematch, the guy who wins the first one more times than not is going to have the upper hand. And in this fight, I agree 100%. I like Machida. I don't love betting the favorites in UFC. But this time, I, I got to back Machida. And that might actually be a, a position that I do take. An opinion bet? I like Kimbo, man. Uh, here's a guy who I believe wants to be a fighter as far as this is his career. So I think he's put in a lot of work. And from what I've heard, he's been training so hard since coming off the tough show. On the flip side, Matt Matrione, you know, he was an ex-football player. Even watching the show, this guy just don't seem like his head's into it. Not even sure if he wants to be a pro fighter. So I think Timbo's going to come in with a, a big advantage on the technical side, and that'll be enough to win this fight. To be honest with you, I haven't checked what the line is lately. I know the Machida line was up around 200. Um, I'm not sure what the Kimbo line was, but those are the two that I definitely like going into this weekend. I see Machida right now at minus 185, and I see Kimbo in his actually as the shorter uh, number at minus 105. Yeah, I think there's value in both of those guys, and I might actually make a bet on them come Saturday. Any uh, any feel on whether they do it uh, going the distance or whether they do it with a uh, sh- uh, stoppage? I think Machida could finish Shogun because Shogun's shown us that he, he just not the ability to last his cardio, his style of fighting. He comes from that shootbox academy, and their style of fighting is finish the fight quickly, come out in the first round, and totally blitz your opponent and overwhelm them. And the problem with that style is, is if the man's still standing after that first round, you don't have that much left in the gas tank. And I've seen Shogun have problems with the gas tank in the past. And I think that's going to be a disadvantage here. And I really could see 
Machida stopping him. But the only problem is Machida plays it safe at times, and he's so elusive that he, you know, Shogun having the ability to hurt you, he is very strong. Shogun may look for that decision, but I do believe the knockout will be there. In the Kimbo fight, this one ain't going the distance. I don't think this one gets out of the first round. I really think Kimbo's going to take it to him and finish him. Yeah, in fact, in fact, if if it were to go to the distance, I think the prop is like plus three seventy on that happening. So it not going the distance is a huge, like I think minus five hundred type of favorite. So that seems to be in line with that for sure. Yeah, yeah, I I agree, man. I totally agree. I'm surprised with the low line on the Kimbo price. That scares me, to be honest with you. I think it's because of the size difference. Metrion's like fifty pounds bigger than the guy. So, right. huh? Are those birds chirping behind you, VR? Yeah, yeah, those birds. You might hear my dogs. <laughs> wow. Well, let me let you get to that life. Dude, you have brought it strong <laughs> once again today. I appreciate it. NBA, baseball, UFC. Can you uh, set a line for my uh, golf score today? Is any, what, what would you set the over-under on for my golf score? What, what, where are you playing? I'm playing at the Presidio here in San Francisco. Not sure what that what 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 the par is, but I'll put yeah. I don't know. You you're a good golfer, right? No. Seven over, six over. No, please. I wish. I'm terrible. Twelve. <laughs> <laughs> please, not even. <laughs> if I if I break a hundred, I consider it a fine afternoon. All right, so I can't bring you out here to hustle. I'm trying to get Hook out here. I want to take him to Shadow Creek and see if we could. Uh, you know, hustle some of those rich golfers out there. Oh, well, you can you can get your hustle on with Hook because apparently he's he's tremendous. Yeah, he's got game. That's what they say in golf. And there's money out here, boy. If you got some swing, I love that. this. Is what I love about that using using pregame podcasters for your betting dollar. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you got to do. VR, appreciate it, man. Have a great day and have a great weekend. Good luck with all your bets, man. My pleasure, Gil. Best of luck to everybody, man. Enjoy the games, and uh, always tomorrow. Gil Alexander, your betting dork. We will talk to you on Monday. Thanks so much for listening.